He is an author, a speaker, a mediator, a life coach. He's a humorist. He's Ron Price. I'm John Bradshaw, and this is our conversation. Ron Price, thanks so much for being here. I'm glad you have taken your time to have a conversation. Thanks. John, it's a thrill. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We've talked about a little bit about what you do a moment ago. An author. You're a mediator. That sounds like dangerous work. You're a humorist. We'll ask about that in a minute. But who are you? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Tell me a little bit about the the early years of Ron Price. You, you made an assumption, John, that I don't agree with. Oh, what's that? Well, people ask me, where did I grow up? I say, I'm trying to do it in uh, Farmington, New yeah. Mexico. Okay. I started life in Rhode Island oh, in a well, Jewish places. family. Yeah, a uh, Jewish family. Jewish family, uh, middle, of, middle of three children. Let's make this clear. You're a Christian today. I'm a Christian today, absolutely. Okay. Here's a story. Uh, but you know what Christmas and Easter Christians are. We were Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur Jews. Uh, okay. Okay. It was it, ethnically and, and socially and yeah. all the rest, very much Jewish. But so tell me about the ethnically. Where did you guys come from? Uh, that's a great question. Russia, I think. Okay. Poland. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that much about mm-hmm. my heritage. You, you weren't going to the synagogue every Sabbath day. Uh, I was going to Hebrew school. Yes. During the middle of the week, which was, how do I say this on television? Yeah, I think you just Not what it. I wanted to do. Ah, uh, yes. Not what I wanted to do. Typical for a kid. To me, and I don't want to disparage Judaism by any means, sure. but for me, it was always it was just a system of worship. There was no connection with a loving God, and yeah. it didn't make any sense to me. It was a foreign language. There are many there are many people going through Christian churches who are finding exactly the same thing: just a system, just a you're doing things by rote, right. you're doing what you're told to do. There's no connection to a personal God. Do this, you're fine. Do that, you're bad. And yeah. yeah, yeah, no. Well, well, I've got a, a handful of books here with me that we're going to discuss. But before we get to that, let's talk about your journey from uh, Rhode Island to Christianity. So you were raised in Rhode Island. What right. happened next? Raised in Rhode Island. Mom didn't stick around very long. That's, uh-huh. that's a key point in my life. When I was six, we found out she had cancer. Oh. And that was back when they could barely spell the word cancer. Right. Uh, she fought it for two years and, and then lost the fight. So at eight. You were eight years old without a mother. I, I, had, I was without a mother. My, I had a brother two and a half years older and a sister four years younger. And my dad, bless his heart, he held it together somehow. People told him that we should, you know, he should just send us to relatives yeah. and he can't do it. But your dad raised three kids. He did. Wow, he did. It was hard on him. Had to have been quite a man. Uh, you know, he owned a drugstore uh-huh. on, on the east side of Providence, Rhode Island, oh, a very Jewish neighborhood. Uh-huh. And he and his brother... And they were very successful. But when mom passed, he, he realized that was taking too much of his time. So he gave it up. He, he sold the business. Did he really? He really did. He became a traveling salesman. He was home every night, but he right. traveled quite a bit. Had to hire maids to live in maids to help with the kids. But uh, yeah, it was it was a journey. It yeah, was no, a journey. that's really something that your dad just, just did that. Yeah. I mean, he... he no one would have blamed him if he'd said, this is just too much for, for a guy, and I'm not going to do this. That's exactly right. And well, you know, one of the things I'm real pleased with is he's, he's passed on now, but probably about 15, 20 years ago, I wrote him a thank you note. Mm. And he, he just said, oh, thank you to me. But I, I, my stepmom told me that he would show that note. Oh, And you know what? Nice. Talk about heartwarming. Nice. Um, I was going to ask you what kind of relationship you had with your dad. Yeah, it was, it, you know, it was not. I wouldn't say it was close, uh-huh. but it was it was loving, and yeah, we'd talk every week, and yeah, it was. Hey, he, how he was. He was a good man in a lot of ways. So, so you went to high school in 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 Rhode Island. Rhode Island went to the University of Rhode Island. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, what'd you study? Um, I have to think back now. Oh, yeah, it was so Actually, long, I yeah. started off in engineering. Oh. Because my, my stepmom and dad told me engineering was a good field. Oh, I, they say it is. Yeah, I, uh, for some. It wasn't good for you? No. No, okay. Didn't make it a year. Calculus uh-huh. was enough to tell Ooh, me. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I didn't belong no. there. Okay. So I, I, I quit school for a semester, and then I came back in business, took one business course, and dropped it. Yeah. Found sociology. Oh, And yeah, that was yeah. a good fit for me, studying how systems work and how people work and so I graduated with a BA in sociology. And clearly, you're a mediator, among other things. So that's something that stuck with you and, and gave your leg up. You could probably make that connection. Yeah. I never have, but no. yeah. All right. You know, as, as I look back over my life, John, to see how God has led it, oh, now it makes sense. You yeah. know, at the time, I didn't, I didn't notice. How did you become a Christian? And you said this is a three-hour show. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, but it might, might be now. Uh, maybe. I moved to Ruidoso, New Mexico. Some friends had worked at the ski area there the winter before and came back and told me all about it. And I said, you know what? I got to get out of Rhode Island. There's got to be more to life well, than the smallest state there is. And you went to New Mexico. Ruidoso, New Mexico. A couple of friends and I, we worked at the ski area. Yeah. And it was one day I was cutting wood and I was helping a friend cut wood. And he started talking to me about the Bible. And John, it's a funny experience in my life because I remember hearing inside my voice, you know, I know I didn't raise this subject, but uh-huh. I don't remember him raising it either. But I was interested. And he started talking about Bible prophecy. Oh, interesting. And he gave me a book by Robert Pearson. I'm sure you remember him. Yes, of course. Goodbye Planet Earth. Yes. And I was fascinated by that. So that was, that began my journey into discovering who this Jesus Christ How was. I, I had always heard his name. Yeah. Uh, you know, anytime somebody hit their thumb with a hammer, I would hear his name, name, or they got money stuck in a coin machine, I'd hear his name. But I, as a Jewish boy, I had no idea who that was. It's really interesting, isn't it, that you can have neighbors, let's say, they're Jewish, absolutely, completely different frame of reference. Mm -hmm. Like, how do people not know the name of Jesus? Well, they just don't. Some people just don't, even living here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So this idea of becoming a Christian, was there any fear involved? My whole community or my family, they'll reject me. My dad will be mad. How did you work through that? You're, you're correct that in many, especially Orthodox families, they hold funerals. If you, yeah. if you leave the faith, you're dead. You're yeah. dead. A friend of mine told his mother he had become a Christian. She said two things. One, you are finishing what Hitler started. Oh, That's a lot for a young man to take on board. Ooh. And she said it would have been better if you had simply plunged a knife into my heart. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you, did you that? get any of that? No, I didn't get any of that. No. Because, again, we, were, yeah. we weren't really of the, of the faith. We yeah. were of the culture, of the society, but not of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not of the faith. There was, it was pretty well clear, hey, that's good for you. We don't want to hear about it. Right. So I never did get a chance to witness to my family at all, which is, mm-hmm. a, yeah. is a deep regret. A but I, I had to honor that because any attempts to, to bring it up would have been shut down yeah, right yeah, away. Yeah. So you became a Christian. And uh, you were in New Mexico working at the ski field. Did you ski? Oh, yeah. You still Some, ski? No. No, no, <laughs> no, but you skied at the time. I did. That's great fun. Yeah. I started too late in life, though. Yeah. I, I should have started earlier. Yeah, I you ski-, ski a lot. You started young, uh, I bet. I, 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 no, I ski a little. Okay. I ski a little to, to remain dangerous to myself on a okay. ski field. I ski enough just so that I think I'm probably a little better than I am. But I love to ski. It's about the most fun you can have. Oh, yeah. Uh, that and scuba diving. I'd love to ski more. Um Great, uh, great fun. So, yeah, I, and, and I think to myself, oh, if I fall over, I'll be fine. But 
Not as young as I used to be. If I fall over, I might break into pieces. Yeah, but you were still willing to hang glide. I saw that episode. Yeah, that well, looks you know, like fun. you know, after hang gliding, they said we've got to get you to jump out of an airplane. And I don't think they thought with a parachute, based on who was saying this, but we'll do it. Oh, once they get <laughs> around not... to it, I'm going to do it. I caught your humor. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, but I'll do it. I, if we do it for a TV program, I'll do it. Okay. And I've got a son who said once that he'd like to, to skydive. So where did life take you then? You clearly didn't stay working in a ski field, and somehow you got to the place that you're wading into the thick of other people's conflicts. I, uh, well, I got to shorten this. I, I got married. Yeah. I got married on July 6th, 1977. We probably should have waited one day. I could have gotten married on 7777. That would have been something. Might have been luckier. I don't oh, know. We didn't make it. We didn't no. make it two years. No? No kids. And, and again, I was... I. This is even before I had had that visit with my friend talking about Bible prophecy. Yeah. So, so I want to ask you, this is personal, of course, and I didn't plan to ask you this. So answer it however you want. Okay. Marriage didn't make it two years. Do you, do, you, do you know why? Did you sense at the time why? What happened to this young guy, married the girl of his dreams, and d- d- didn't? We made a very common mistake. People think, you know, you wouldn't buy a car without test driving it, so you shouldn't get married without test driving it. You should live together first. Statistically, that's a mistake. It's a disaster. It is. And and we fell into that trap. We lived together and then one day said, hey, you think we ought to get married? Had no idea what we were doing. Because what happens is you start to live as though you're married and then you say, well, we might as well because here we are and you haven't cleared all those other hurdles. It's really easy to cohabitate. It's pretty low stakes. Marriage is really high stakes. But the and the relate and to add to that, the relationship starts with the hey, I'm just we're just trying this out. If it doesn't work, I can leave any time. You bring that same mindset into yeah. the marriage without right. realizing yeah, it. Yeah, interesting. So when things get bad, which mm-hmm. every marriage is going to experience difficulties, That's right, well, I, yeah. I said I could leave whenever I wanted to. Yeah. So see you later. And all kinds of people believe that they ought to be happy in marriage. And while that's true, your happiness is not the primary no. function of a marriage. There are other, frankly, far more important things, and so you get a little unhappy. It's broken, I'm gone, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Was that was that a really traumatic thing for you to go through or n- not so traumatic? I'm not, not meaning to say if it's less, it's disrespectful. Fair but question. How, how, how difficult was that is my question. It was, it was traumatic in that I never saw myself as getting divorced. Yeah, sure. I came from a culture where divorce was not prevalent. Yeah. And I know I'm rare in being able to say that, unfortunately. Yes, but true. I just, you know, commitment is was then and still is an important matter to me. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I felt like a loser. Mm. I felt like, you know, I failed. Yeah, sure. And, and I was part of the problem. It's not something you shrug off. Once divorced, always divorced. So And so that's difficult. Yeah. Did you, did you regroup? Did you find your footing pretty quickly or did you wander a little bit for a while? That woman, her dad was an oil and gas land man. Oh, yeah. And he brought me in, and I started traveling the country, different, mostly in the West, but buying oil and gas leases. And I happened to come to Cortez, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was reading a book, I don't know if you're familiar with it, called The Desire of Ages. Funny you should say that. I'm actually reading parts of it every day it, it, right it's now. It's a good book. I think you'll enjoy it. It gets better and better. I'm reading it right now. You know, on a funny note, though, that friend that I talked about that was witnessing to me from Robert Pearson's book, yeah. a couple of weeks after that, I'm excited because I'm, I'm starting to, hey, who's this Jesus? Maybe this is who I've been looking. I've been looking in a lot of wrong areas. Uh-huh. Maybe this is what I've been looking for. And a friend of mine said, oh, I got a book for you. Edgar Casey on the life and times of Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. 
So and fortunately, I mentioned that to my friend Bob. Yeah. He said, Ron, I wouldn't touch Edgar Casey with a 20-foot pole, let alone uh-huh. a 10. He said, you want to learn about Christ? Here's Have the I book. I've got a book for you. And the timing was just providential. So I went to Cortez, and I stayed there five weeks, and I was having breakfast in a restaurant. Just happened to see a flyer up on the wall. Revelation Now Seminar. No way. Had no idea what that was. How fantastic. But when you're a stranger in a strange town, you don't need a lot of excuses to get out of your motel room at yep. night. And I thought, hey, this sounds good. And that's where I went to, and, and that's where I really solidified my commitment to Christ. Revelation Now, that, that's, that's, a, that's a, a title Jack Cologne uses or used recently. So who was the speaker there? Dennis Sellers was the Dennis evangelist Sellers. back then. And uh, Jerry Page, who I know you know, he was my pastor. How about that? And he did our wedding, which oh, we'll come back and talk about in a moment, I'm sure. But, uh, he baptized me and... Yeah, man. You so yeah. you got you got off to this is God leading you with the right people and the right books and the right poster. Do you ever wonder what would have happened if you hadn't seen that poster? I, I wonder about a lot of things. What if my mom hadn't died? Would I still be a Jewish boy in Rhode Island? I mean, I wonder. I don't right. let myself wonder too long. Yeah. I mean, that's wasted energy. Yeah, but sure. It's it's fun to speculate now and then, but. No, God wanted me to see that poster. There's he no... works. Uh, all things work together for good with God. Even even those. Even the trauma of losing a mom, yeah. somehow God's able to bring beauty out of that. That's a good point. Yeah. You're right. Okay, so how long did you sell oil and gas leases? Was that a, was that a long-term thing? That was uh, in Cortez. I only lasted probably another six months mm-hmm. because I was tired of traveling, and so I decided to settle in Cortez, and I became a coal porter for six years, a literature evangelist. Yeah, about that. For Selling six Christian years. books. Selling Christian books. How wonderful. It was a. Uh, it was an interesting experience. Uh-huh. A lot of good stories. A lot of challenges. Sure. A lot of challenges. That's a. That's a life of faith. To, I've. I've. I've, I've colported myself not full time, but over summers and so forth, yeah. and have an immense amount of respect for literature evangelists. They do a, a Herculean work. The cool thing about Ellie work. One of the cool things. Ellie's have the best stories. The best yeah. stories of yeah. how. It was, it, I was at the end of my tether and I thought I was going to quit and the Lord worked a miracle. Or I, I've, I've, you've heard this story. Mine is called times. Go See Gale. Oh, tell me. Come on now. Well, you sure we got time? Oh, we'll make time. A lady had sent in a card. I'll, I'll try to shorten this because oh, I yeah. can go long. Oh, yeah. She had sent in a card. I want, you, I want to see your book. So I called her. Oh, I love these books. I can't pay for them right now. Can you come back? I said, sure. So I'd come back. Oh, I'm not ready yet. But, you know, we had a nice visit. I'd pray with her. This went on for months. Mm. One day I call on her and uh, she says, oh, I'm ready. I got the money. Oh, Uh, can you come back in 10 minutes? I said, Gail, I've been coming here for 10 months. I can come back in 10 minutes. Yeah. So I drive around the block and eat a sandwich. I pray, whatever. I come back. I knock on the door. She's not there. Oh, come on. That's what I said. Yeah. I said, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I said, lady, I don't know who you think you're dealing with, but you are not going to play me that way. I am never coming back to this house again. Fast forward year, year and a half, yeah. I don't know. They were having a contest, and I feel funny about contests. You ought to be selling for the love of the Lord, the love of people, but yeah. they had an incentive, and I was this close. I, uh-huh. I needed one more sale. Uh-huh. And so I went to the payphone. You remember phone booths? Yeah. Putting in my dimes, calling. I had all these cards of people that I had met with before, and, and oh, call, you know, come back, whatever. Nothing. I'm driving home. And I said, Lord, thank you. I had a good week. It was a good week. I yeah. came this close to the incentive. Great. And I heard a voice that said, go see go Gail. Go see Gail. And I know I heard that voice, John, because I said, no, I'm not going to go see uh-huh, Gail. Uh-huh. I've had that same thing. Go see Gail. I'm not going to go see th- Three times. All right, I'll go see Gail. I knock on her door. 
come in. She said, hi. I said, hi. She said, how are you? I said, I'm fine. I said, I have one question for you and one question only. Where were you that night? She said, you're not going to believe me. I said, you're right, but tell me anyway. (laughs) She said, my neighbor fell down and I had to go help. I said, Gail, is that really true? Yes. Are you ever going to buy my books? Yes, I've got the money right here. I said, don't you move. I had left my case in the car. Uh Hold me of little faith. John, I walked out that door with tears in my eyes. Yeah, God is good. Thank you, Lord. Came in, wrote the order. Met the incentive for the week. I didn't drive home. I flew home. Yeah, amen. Such yeah, God high. is good, yeah. isn't he? God is God good. is really good. So <clears throat> you got out of literature evangelism work. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make the bridge to the work you're doing today. How did we get there? Or is there something in between that's just There's a couple of items. We lived, in, we lived in Cortez at the time, but most of my territory was Farmington, New Mexico, okay. which is about an hour, a little over an hour away. And so I'd go down there for two days and one night each week. And finally, I said to my wife, you know, we ought to, we ought to move to Farmington. And she said, no. She had grown up in Cortez. Her mom was there. Her sister was there. Her roots went deep. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. It's a bad idea. But I couldn't let it go. A month or two later, I said, you know, I'd, I'd really like to talk about us moving to Court Farmington. She said, well, I'm glad you feel that way. Thank you for sharing. She didn't quite put it that sure, way. Sure, I get you. But finally, I went to her. I said, you know, sweetheart, we got a situation here. I don't have the right to tell us we're moving to Farmington. You don't have the right to tell us we're not. Mm. So I said, I got a deal for you. You give me the next year of our lives. You let me move us to Farmington. Whatever happens, you get the next year. If you're happy in Farmington, you want to stay, we stay. If you want to move back, I get the moving van. She said, you mean that? I said, I do. I said, I'll sweeten the deal. I will never ask you. You let me move us to Farmington. I'll never ask you to move any further away from your mom than the 70 miles that that Farmington is Mm. from Cortez. John, that was 30-some years ago. Still going well. And every now and then I say, so what do you think, sweetheart? Was it a good idea to move to Farmington? Shut up, she said. No, she's not a violent woman. But it was. It was was a brilliant move for us. Hey, how about that? I stopped being a literature evangelist. I I became a food stamps worker for a while. Interesting. Just because it was a job. Yeah, you had it right there. And then I moved into probation parole work for nine years. And that was a fascinating chapter of my life. Yeah, I can see there might be some conflict resolution and mediation involved yeah. in some of that. And by the way, you you just outed yourself as a pretty good negotiator. That thing you did with your wife there, that was that was, that was Solomonic, wasn't it? That was pretty slick. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Worked out okay. Yeah. Yep, really yeah. did. Well, I've got a handful of books here that we're going to look at in a moment. The, the, the Playing Nice in the Sandbox series of books mm-hmm. we deal with at work and at home and, and in church. There's plenty of conflict around today, isn't there? You think? Do we have more conflict today than we did 20, 30, 40 years ago? You know, maybe, but in different levels. I think people are more sensitive today. Yeah, it seems yeah, to me, yeah. my, my observations, that we take things, we take slights where maybe we don't need to. Mm-hmm. So more conflict? I don't know. I think there's been conflict from the beginning of time. I think, do you see that people are more apt to do their thing, devil may care. I don't care nearly as much about your feelings as you do. I'm just going to do my thing. I, I see society getting a little more hard and people just doing their thing and you yeah. can take it or leave it. Yeah. You I see th- some of that? I thought that was a rhetorical question and yeah, you're yeah. right on. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. I okay. think the enemy knows he's running out of time and he is redoubling, I think that's an actual word, his yeah, it efforts. Is, it is to, right now. To get us to turn to ourselves and forget everybody else. Yeah, and yeah. Totally unbiblical, but 
even in the church, unfortunately. Well, you've carved out quite a, a groove for yourself as a, as a mediator and a conflict resolution guy. We are going to talk about how in the world you became a, a, a humorist, um, but we'll do that in just a moment. Let's talk about some of these things. We'll let people know about the books, how they can get them, but more importantly, how people can start to implement these things into their life to avoid conflict or to work through conflict. And undoubtedly, you know a thing or two about conflict because it's everywhere and we all experience it. We can't possibly be without it. What do you do about it? He's Ron Price. I'm John Bradshaw. More in a moment from our conversation brought to you by It Is Written. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about the study of the Word of God. And we encourage you to be serious about God's Word also. Well, I want to share with you another way that you can dig deeper into the Word of God. And here it is. Itiswritten.study Go online to itiswritten.study and you can access the It Is Written Bible Study Guides. 25 in-depth Bible studies that will walk you through the Bible. It's going to be good for you. And it's the sort of thing that you will want to tell somebody else about so that they can dig deeper into the Word of God and come to know the things of the Bible intimately. As you get into the It Is Written online Bible study guides, you'll understand the prophecies of the Bible, the plan of salvation, and more. So don't forget, itiswritten.study. Itiswritten.study. Welcome back to Conversations brought to you by It Is Written. It's my good fortune to be talking today to Ron Price, who is a mediator. That's a very biblical term. But what do you do as a mediator? Tell me about that. Here's another God story that I'll I'll shorten for you. But I I was a probation parole officer, and I was happy. I was was enjoying what I was doing. But I was looking at the one ads one day. Again, don't ask me why. Yeah. And I saw an ad, the district court was starting a new program called Divorce Mediation. And again, I was still reeling, even though I was happily remarried, everything was fine. That divorce did still strike me. And I, I said, I don't, I don't know what this is, but I got to find out. Uh-huh. And as it turns out, they were starting a program. If, if parents are getting divorced, don't go to a judge and ask the judge, hey, judge, what should we do with the children? That makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Go to a mediator where you can talk to and with each other instead of at each other. And and focus on the needs of the children. So I did that for 29 years, John. No way. For 29 years, I put myself between people who didn't like each other very much at all. And if that doesn't tell you I'm a sick man, I don't know what will. How how do you take that home at night when all day long, and maybe just a stretch, you've been... been People are at each other. Yeah. How, how do you de-stress from that? Yeah, you, 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 just, you just do. I you mean, just you've do. been a pastor. You, you're saying similar. You can't bring everything home. It'll, it'll ruin you. Yeah. So I was able to just separate. Hey, I'm home now. I'm, that, their problems are not my problem. Hey, so let me ask you. Tell me about a success story. Well, the most successful. You deal with angry people. Some of them are hard-headed, and right. you're, help, you're working to help them. And, and undoubtedly, at times, you came home and said, oh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because no image is popping into my mind of specifics, but I had a few couples that said, you know what, if we can really talk this well together, maybe we don't have to get divorced. And John, really? that was a huge blessing. Oh, that was a thank you, Lord moment. Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? It didn't happen a, a bunch. No, but, no. But over the years, yeah, there were some couples that decided maybe we could. So I was able to direct them towards nice. marriage, 
marriage encouragement efforts and instruction yeah, and so forth. Uh, but yeah, my whole goal, you know, they came to me for a parenting plan. Yeah. And I was right up front. I don't care about the parenting plan. I don't care if you reach a parenting plan or not. And they're looking at me like, what? Right now, there's a word between your names. In the courts, it was somebody versus somebody. And I'd always ask, what does that versus mean? Well, we're against each other. We're enemies. Our task is to get rid of that word. Nice. And replace it with and. Not necessarily back together and as a couple, but and in the sense of working together. No, you're right. That's, that's adversarial, isn't it? That V. Adversarial. And what child wants to think that the two people that created them yeah. can't stand each other? Yeah. That's yeah, just not right. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about, I asked you about success stories and you mentioned couples who said, why are we doing this? Let's, let's get it worked out. But let's go in the other direction. I'm not asking for a specific case. Divorce is really destructive. I don't say that to criticize anybody, condemn anybody. People have been through it. We have a heart for We're very sorry about that. But man, the toll on kids and the stuff they go through and have to wear, that can be really hard, can't it? Yes and no. Divorce is hard on kids, yes. Yeah. Yes. But, here's a big but, it's how the parents handle the divorce. Mm-hmm. If a child goes to dad's home and he says, oh, you're probably sick and tired of mom, aren't you? What right. a you know, rousy person she is. Yeah. And then he, he, they go back to mom, oh, you had to get rid of your dad, didn't you? Because he... How does a child do that? How right. do they deal with that? Because they know they're half mom, half dad. Yeah. If mom doesn't like dad, mom doesn't like me. If dad doesn't mm. like mom, dad doesn't like me. So if parents can handle the divorce well, the impact can be significantly lessened. That's really The damage can yeah. be significantly yeah. lessened. Yeah, yeah, that's important to know. Um, okay, I'm going to do this. Somebody's watching right now and their marriage isn't going great and they don't want to get divorced, but they feel like this is an inevitability. Let's say both parties feel that way. Boy, things are failing. We've spoken about this. It looks like we're going to get divorced. We don't really want to, but what's your advice to them? They're, they're trying to save a marriage. Yeah. How, how do they save that marriage? Where do they begin? No guarantees here, but where do they begin? What do they do? Who do they talk to? Admit that they need help and yeah. they can't fix it on their own. If they could have fixed it on their own, they would have they done would have, it. They'd done before that already. Now. Yeah. One that jumps to mind is Family Life Today Ministries has Weekend to Remember. Mm. They have them at various parts in the country, and it's a wonderful weekend. Most of the time you're learning as couples, but then they have a separate session for women and a separate session for men Mm -hmm. where they can really get down and say, hey, quit blaming the other. You're contributing to the condition of the marriage because Mm. it's it's you. Can, can, Can a marriage be saved? I'm hedging, aren't I? In most cases, yes. Okay, Should okay. a marriage be saved? I wouldn't necessarily uh, say yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I had my next question was: Can any marriage be saved? I'm not going to ask that. I want to come back to your point. Should a marriage be saved? And you're a little hesitant about that. Yeah. The Bible says God hates divorce. Yeah, he does. And all yes, that he stuff, does. And you yes, know what does. kids go through. Yes, he does. But you're open to the idea that maybe some marriages shouldn't be saved. Explain. The common scenario is that a man is physically abusing yes. his wife. Yes. And some people say, well, you said I do. You're committed. You, yeah. you have to stay. I yeah. don't believe that for one moment. If he's not willing to change, if he's not willing to man up and admit he's been doing wrong and get help, I think she has every right to say, uh-uh, I'm yeah. done. She doesn't have to put herself and her children. We wouldn't advise anybody to stay in a dangerous situation where no, they're, they're going to be no. subject to harm. Or, or if one of the spouses says, you know, I like you a lot. I love you. But, uh, you know, there's other people I kind of like to yeah. spend weekends with. You know, come yeah. on. That's yeah. not what marriage is. 
there are two forms of commitment in marriage. Scott Stanley is, is where I learned this from. There's dedication commitment and constraint commitment, and we need both. Mm, Dedication commitment is, you know what, I'm in love, you're meeting my needs, I enjoy meeting your needs, I want in, I'm committed to you. That's Mm -hmm. dedication Mm -hmm. commitment. Constraint commitment is, you know, I'm not very happy right now, but what would it cost me to leave? What would it do to the kids to leave? What would others say? You know, what other options do I have? Those are constraints that keep you committed to help you get through those rough valleys yeah. to where you can back to, get back to a place of dedication. Yes. Because every marriage is going to have moments where you don't like each other very much. Sure, there's going to be difficulties and barren patches and, and so forth. Yeah. yeah, that's that's not unusual. At all. It's No, it's, yeah. it's absolutely common. And, and it's the people who feel like marriage should be a, a barrel of monkeys at every <laughs> moment of every day. They're, it's going to be hard for them. You know, I heard somebody recently say that, you know, I've been married for 40-some years, but it seems to me like only 15 minutes underwater. (laughs) Uh, That's not funny. I'm sorry. Maybe we'll edit that out. Uh, I know what you mean. No, on a serious note, though, I tell people, my wife and I have been married for, we've had 40 wonderful years together. We've been married 42, but we've had 40 wonderful, and people need to know that. They need to know. I don't do premarital counseling, by the way. I do not believe in premarital counseling. I believe in premarital preparation. Sure. There's a difference. Yeah. People need to be prepared. And so my favorite premarital preparation is have a couple of sessions before the ceremony, uh-huh. but then more sessions after, at three you, months, you, at six months, you, at nine months. I, I, I salute you for saying that. There's an immense amount of wisdom. So once you've been throwing the keys to the car, you're walking out of the church. I mean, I remember a guy throwing the keys to his car to me. It was a, it was a, it was a Dodge Viper. Wow. <laughs> I got in that vehicle and put my foot down and put the car sideways immediately. I just, I didn't know how to handle it. I had to really go carefully with this. Really? Too much power? A lot of power. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Yeah. Uh, marriage is like that for people. Now you're in, you've you got to figure out how to keep it between the lines and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Counseling afterwards, I, t- I tell you what, this is a bit of a hobby horse of mine, but I tell you who need to be counseled are parents planning a baby dedication. You, you, the average kid didn't know a thing about raising kids. Yeah. And they get married, they have this baby, what do we do with this? They need to learn what it means to be a parent. They need to learn how to raise a kid. You know, you've got to get a license to have a dog in most places, but anyone can have a child. I'm not saying we should remove that agency, but boy, there should be work put in to help young parents be actual parents. Of course, they're just all at sea. They don't know what to do. Arguably, the two most important aspects of our life are marriage and parenting. Oh, yeah. And we think we can do those without any preparation, yeah. any pre-knowledge, and, and we're wrong. And that's why sense. so many families fail. Yeah. And yeah. so many kids are not doing so well. So you've written several books, and uh, this is just the, the, the title is fascinating. Play Nice in the Sandbox. This one is Play Nice in the Sandbox at Work. Yeah. Okay. Look, the, the title is self-explanatory. How did you come to that, and what are you driving at? It, it's actually an acronym. The PLAY is a four-step model to prevent conflict when you can. Notice mm-hmm. I didn't say avoid conflict. Right. People try to avoid conflict, John. That's a mistake. It's but unhealthy, one, isn't it? Well, you can't do it. Yeah. it. Conflict will find you. Yeah. And yeah, usually trying to avoid it, you're sweeping it under the rug. Mm-hmm. It makes it worse, not better. Yeah. But you can prevent a lot of 
trivial, insignificant matters from blowing up on you and becoming something you don't need, want to deserve. Right, right. So that's the play. Push the pause button, list of 10, assume good intent, and yield. Yield to understand the other person. Run through that again for me. Push the pause button. Okay. Choose your attitude in advance. You know you're going to go into a meeting or into a family gathering that could be tense. You better decide in advance that you're going to maintain your composure. Okay. You better choose your attitude or somebody's going to choose it for you. No, I, no, no, no. But you get in there, that brother-in-law who, who, who wants to get his hand on Grandma's silverware, even though she promised it to you, he's going to come at you. So that's just going to wind you up, Ron. You can go in there. Careful. That can, you can go in there as, as you can choose whatever you want. But isn't brother-in-law Larry just going to press all the wrong buttons? There's a chapter in there on button guard. How do oh, you no stop kidding. people from? You can't stop people from pushing your buttons. Yeah, you can't. But you can deactivate the switch. And the truth is, people can choose to think about what they want to choose. Uh, broadly speaking, you can choose the emotions you want to feel. And what to do with the within reason? Yeah, I mean, you reason. know, you lose a loved one, no, even a yeah, pet. Yeah, for, sure, I mean, sure. come on, fear but no, and from, grief and so right, forth. Right. But you don't have to be envious and malicious and hateful. You don't have to be angry, right? You know that old expression: "You make me so mad." Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Have I given you that much power that you can determine my emotions? Yeah. So, no, I agree, totally agree. Yeah. Okay. Pause button before you get into a situation. I guess you're saying stop and think about it and choose how you're going to be in that situation. Quick example. You come home from a bad day at work. Yeah. Things didn't go right. People didn't show up. Orders didn't come in. What have you. Yeah. You have every right to barge right into that house and bring everybody down with your hostility Mm. and what have you from that bad day. Don't do that. Right. Turn off the vehicle. Pause. Have an internal dialogue. All right. I had a day that I don't ever want to have again, but I'm home now. I'm with people I love, people who love me. I'm going to do my part to make this a great evening. Yep. You walk in that door, I'm home. What kind of evening are you more likely oh, to have yeah. up, down? Or, I mean, come on. This yeah, what kind of evening is everybody else going to have? And by the way, I've said this to people many times. Who in the world gave you the right to spread your garbage all over a bunch of people who had nothing to do with your situation? Yep. Well, where do you assume that right? What gave you that authority? To come home and immediately make everybody miserable. That's just not fair. It's not fair at all. It's not productive. Nope. Yeah. Nope. You so push the people. pause button, choose the attitude, and especially going to work. You might have had a fight with your spouse or your teenager uh-huh. on the way to work. Don't walk into work with a lousy attitude. Pause. Say, all right, I'm at work now. I'll deal with that other, those other matters later. I like Right that. now, I'm at work. Here we go. If that's all we took away from this conversation, there'd be a whole lot of people like, wow, that's revolutionary. This man is wisdom. He oh. used that word Solomonic. This is Solomonic. No, but it is. It's very, very wise. I learned it when I went to Walmart on Christmas Eve day. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> Christmas Eve, I needed something. Yeah. And, and I decided if I didn't choose my attitude going into a store with hundreds, if not thousands of people who were all stressed out and yeah. frazzled, Somebody who probably would have chosen my attitude for me, and I wouldn't have liked it. So mm-hmm. that's where I learned the mm-hmm. That's the right. Otherwise, concept. someone's going to choose your attitude for oh. you. I like it. So the P in play, choose your attitude. Press the pause button. Right. L. Can we skip to A just for fun? Oh, sure. Why not? Assume good intent. John, when I do workshops, I often ask this question. I'll put you on the spot. It's an easy one. Have you ever hurt, frustrated, disappointed, or offended another human being when you really didn't mean to? Oh, never. What took you so long? Stop never. it. You're, you're being recorded. You oh, know oh, that, right? Oh. Yeah, okay. And, and when I say that, raise your hand if that's true, and every hand sh- shoots up. Yeah. We've done that. Well, what's the chance if somebody is just hurt, frustrated, disappointed, or offended you? 
Maybe they didn't mean to. Yeah. Maybe it was incidental. Maybe they're going through something. And if you react, you created the conflict, not them. You know, there's something that, that really helped me early in my marriage. When I paused and said, no, wait a minute. She loves me. She means me no harm. Thank you. Whatever it was she said, she wasn't trying to get under my skin. That's just me taking it that way. And that changed an awful lot. That's assuming good intent, that she's not out to get you. Now, sometimes people are. That's a whole different matter. Yeah. But most people aren't. Most people are not. Oh. That's right. It's interesting. The co-worker said something in a, in a snippy way, and you want to take offense. Well, hold on. That co-worker on the production line is under immense pressure and simply didn't pause to say something uh, like a newsreader might. They just let you have it and moved on, yeah. assuming yeah. good intent. I heard a speaker one time say that when somebody says something attacking to him, uh-huh. he'll just gently say, well, well, that sounds like an attack. Is that how you mean it? Uh, Do you hear how disarming that is? Yeah. Well, that, that sounded like a put-down. Is that, is that how you how meant you it? it? I like that. Rather, he didn't say, well, that sounded like an attack. Is that fights on? Yeah. Just very calmly. And it just, it brings, and the person's probably going to say, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I, That's right. I've got this going on. Hurting people are going to hurt people. That's right. That's right. And we are surrounded by hurting people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so a, you really ought to have compassion on the people who are just not doing well. It's a chance to minister to their yeah. pain rather than react to yeah, the Christians attack. ought to be in that situation. You, where, you know, You know, Jesus was around hurting people all the time who were trying to hurt him, and yeah. he worked on every occasion for their salvation. Something yeah. to learn from yeah. that. Absolutely. Okay, so we changed play to Pally, which is fine. Oh, <laughs> now P-A-L-Y. The Ellen play. The Ella's list of 10. You, you, you yes, have an imaginary list of people's faults that you work with, that you live with. Just an imaginary list. But then when they do those, you just say, well, you know what? That's on the list. I'm going to overlook it. And, and there's, there's a quick story. I, I think I have time to tell it about a yeah. guy who retired a 40-year career, never got upset with anybody. They had a retirement party. A new worker comes up and says, how'd you do that? How did you never get upset? And he's told that. You know, I made an imaginary list of everybody's top 10 faults. And the new person said, hey, how about if just for fun, I make a list real quick of our boss's 10 top, top 10 faults, compare it with your list and see how close we come. And the guy kind of chuckled and said, well, to tell you the truth, I never really wrote them down. But every time she did one of those, I always said, lucky for her, that's one that's of the That's on the list. That's on the how list. How about that? What an attitude. Yeah, what a mindset. Absolutely. That's going to keep you within yourself and not getting upset. Press the pause others. button. Choose your choose your attitude. Okay. The uh, A in play, assume good intent. Yeah. That changes everything, I can oh, tell yeah. you that. Oh, yeah. And L, list, list of, of 10, 10, when I see something manifesting, ah, it's on the list. So that, that shouldn't come to me as a surprise. Right, right. I know what why is. You said it a moment ago. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna ask about that in a second. So Ooh, we'll go I to the why. Wait. The yield, we'll go to that in a moment. And I've got to find out why it is. You're a humorist. It's even on your business card. There's going to be some stories there. He's Ron Price. I'm John Bradshaw. This is our conversation. More in just a moment. Brought to you by It Is Written. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000. 
or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Welcome back to Conversations brought to you by It Is Written. I'm John Bradshaw. Ron Price is with me. He is a mediator, helps people work through conflict, helps organizations work through conflict. He's an author. He's a humorist. Going to find out about this humorous thing in just a moment. We're talking about the PLAY acronym. We, we, P is push the pause button, choose your attitude. Uh, L is a list of 10. A is assume good intent. Y is yield. How does that work in conflict and conflict resolution? There's not a lot of English words that begin with the letter Y, John. So in all three books, the Y is yield. In the at work book, it's yield to understand others. So many conflicts are caused because two or more people are trying to be understood at the same time. Yes, sure. It's a basic need that we have given by God above. We want to be understood by the important people in our life. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes you have two or more people each trying to be understood so they're all talking, nobody's listening, and conflict ensues. Mm-hmm. Yield to understand the other first, then it's your turn to be understood by them. So you're at home, uh, the spouse comes in from a difficult day, ratty. Uh, another spouse got home from his or her job earlier. This person comes in and they've had a bad day and they're letting you wear it. How do we how do we how do we yield in, in, in that situation? You give them a hug. I know it's hard to hug a porcupine or a cactus, uh-huh. but you hug them anyway and say, "Hey, why don't you go relax for a while? Let's talk about this later." Don't try to talk when one or both are so stirred up, so frazzled. It's not going to go well. But here's an important rule: if you call a timeout, you must call the time in. You've got to let the other person know, "Hey, I'm rejecting the discussion, the argument." I'll be back. Let's talk about this in 30 minutes. Let's talk about this in an hour. Typically within 24 hours. Because if one or both are all upset in that emotional brain, you're not going to converse well. It's really good to give it time, isn't it? You can't just say time out and storm off. That's leaving the person wondering, well, are we ever going to talk about this? Are you rejecting me? So you say, hey, time out for right now. I'll be back. We'll talk about this using the love talk that we talk about in one of those books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There, there have been times I've written emails and I've looked at it and said, yep, I should send that. And then something has said, why don't you wait yeah. and just read that again in yeah. about an hour. Yeah. yeah. And I'll come back and read it an hour and say, no, 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 I shouldn't send Delete. that. Yeah. But by the time it's done, it's just a, it's, it's a horse of a different color altogether. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure people are, are happy as a result. Yeah. So you've written Play Nice in Your Sandbox at work at home and at church. Clearly then you've looked at the different dynamics that take place in the various situations. They're different. Uh, principle of, of dealing with that are the same. Let's talk here about this one. Play nice in your sandbox at church. Now, a friend of mine when he was uh, much younger was in the foyer of the church and witnessed the pastor and the head elder engage in a fist fight. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they may have wanted to read this. Um, talk about conflict at church and why it comes up, what we can do about it. You know the answer to why it comes up. We have an enemy. That's it right. says in Ephesians, our battle is not against each other. It's yeah. against our common enemy, but we forget that. He is so wily, so consistent, persistent, mm-hmm. skilled and gifted. Let's mm-hmm. give him credit mm-hmm. where credit is due. Sure. I heard of a lady that had a complimentary word to say about everybody. And one day a sister challenged her, I bet you could find something nice to say about the devil himself. And she thought for a moment, said, well, he's a hard worker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not funny, is it? Yeah, he's a hard boy. He's a hard worker. And the challenge, too, is we're, we're, dealing, we're selfish. 
And the battle really in conflict is self. If you just let it go, most conflicts would just disappear. But yeah. because you get yourself involved and you, right. you want to right. strike back. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I live and I get to maintain all of my rights and I get to have it my way. Now, that's not what it says, is it? it says. I've no. given up those rights. I'm Christ now. It's not about what I want and what I prefer. Now, it doesn't mean I have to be a doormat and, you know, serve everybody else. But Philippians does tell us that we are supposed to put others' interests ahead of our own. Colossians says that. Romans says that. I have some, at times, direct words for congregations, not my own. Um, Pastors are sometimes just crucified. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's not to say all pastors are above reproach or that they don't make poor decisions at times. But pastors will leave the ministry because of nasty church members. 90%, isn't it, of people who start as pastors don't finish as pastors? I, I hope I'm wrong, but and I think the, I've heard and that. The percentage of whatever that number is that, that leave due to just getting in the yeah. neck from church yeah. folks, yeah. it's very high. Yeah. We don't have a right to turn the church into a battlefield. No. Please. Just don't have a right. But it doesn't stop people. And that's because they're broken and they're hurt and they're, they're, they're faulty and so forth. So before you go on, let me let me point you to the L chapter in that book. Of of all the chapters, it's my favorite book, okay. favorite chapter. Yeah, it's love yourself as you love your neighbor. Now, as a student of the word, you're going to say, Ron, you have that backwards, I have that backwards don't you? But I think I know where you're going with that. It's a commandment that we are to love our neighbor as That's we right. love ourselves. John, it's also a prophecy. We will love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. And most of us don't love ourselves. Ooh, that's I don't, interesting. Talk I don't want to sit that. here as if I've mastered it. It's a battle that I fight. Uh-huh. But we have the enemy all the time pouring thoughts into our mind. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. We have heard it from others. You don't measure up. You're, you're whatever. And so we have a, a negative self-image. Yeah. We're down on ourselves. We're going to take that out on somebody else. I was told a fascinating story recently. It was shared in a public setting. Uh, there was, long story short, Church member was just very disruptive, very disruptive, very disruptive. The young pastor called a mentor. What do I do with this guy? The mentor said, when you get a chance, ask him what he's trying to hide. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he went to visit the guy and he realized this is it. How do I ask this older man? And and the older man started with a criticism. The young guy said, listen, what are you trying to hide? The man broke down. He wept. He revealed that he had sin in his life, that he didn't know what to do, how to, how to address. That was the cause. I'm not going to pretend that's true for absolutely everybody, but in his situation, he didn't love himself. He despised what he'd become. And so he was just projecting that on people around you him. You have to. You've got to live in here. You mm. can't beat yourself up nonstop. You've got to, at some point, start taking that out on others. Yeah. And so many churches, that's what it is. People not at... Here's my solution. I want to know that God loves me, and I have ample evidence from his word, from my own life. I know that he loves me. He does. Then I must be lovable. I can love myself, not Mm. in a braggadocious, egotistical, you know, look at me kind of way, but I I can have a calming love of self. That frees me up to love everybody else. It does, doesn't it? I want to be so at peace with God. If I can be at peace with God, I can be at peace with myself, and then I can be at peace with others. But you sever that link. Yeah. If I'm not loved by God and, and at peace with God, I can't have it myself. I can't share it with anybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. So speaking about the church, there's somebody right now who's who's trying to order 50 copies of, of this book, Play Nice in Your Sandbox at Church. Um, 
But I'll ask what someone's wondering and wishing. Do you work with churches? You visit churches? Funny you should say that, John. Yes. Uh, in fact, it, it, I work with churches. I have a seminar that I do that's more on the preventative. It's for healthy churches yeah. and healthy families that, you know, maybe a little bit off. But but I'm working with somebody now who is a church interventionist, is what I call him. Oh. If a church is in serious trouble and they're thinking of splitting, that's what he does. So we're bringing my mediation skills, giftedness, if you will, thank you, Lord, and his training and we're going to put together an academy where we're going to equip people to be mediators for interpersonal disputes mm. and come into churches that are at odds and intervene so that maybe they can bring it to a better mm. conclusion. Okay, so you're going to be doing that. People are picking up the phone right now. They were going to, they were going to call as soon as I said the number, but without a number, how do, how do people reach you? How do people chase Ron you? Ron at ronprice.com. Okay. Ron at ronprice.com. Yep. My email is under my email. My web address, website is under massive renovation at the moment, but that's going to be ronprice.com. Okay. I, was, I was advised to keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, so ron at ronprice.com or ronprice.com yeah. Is, yeah. is an easy way to get a hold of me, and I'll be happy to visit with it, anyone. Isn't it a sad thing that you need to be something such as a, a church interventionist? But, but I'll tell you this. Lest anyone be discouraged, oh, you ought to see my church. When I was a brand new Christian, I walked into the church and I thought I'd walked into heaven. It looked just like I thought heaven would look. It sounded like I thought heaven would sound. And it was wonderful. The food was kind of like I imagined the food would be in heaven. Uh, more green olives at the church than I thought they'd be in heaven. But, <laughs> but I did learn to like them when I saw a six-year-old girl eating green olives. I thought, hey, how do you do that? Yeah. She said, easy, watch. I thought, well, if you can, I can. And so I do. So I thought it was heaven. And then I hung around and I realized, oh, this isn't heaven surface oh man mm. people with deep issues and people doing things that even baby christians knew fully grown christians or people who acted like fully grown christians shouldn't do but you know what i realized i'd read revelation 12 verse 17 and the dragon was wroth with the woman mm -hmm. devil was angry with the church and went to make war with the remnant of his i said that's what we're seeing we're just seeing war. It's the devil, right? right? right. The fascinating story in the Bible, and I know, I know I'm interviewing you, so pardon me for <laughs> no, taking your time. Uh, the the, the demon-possessed girl was following Paul around Philippi, right. making an absolute nuisance of herself. The Bible says Paul turned and said to the demon. Come out of her. He didn't address the girl. He realized the girl wasn't the problem. Right. It was the demon. So we're dealing with people at church. Let's be honest. It's not, it's not the people, really. It's whatever's going on. It's whatever the devil is doing to tilt them one way or another. You know, I, I heard of a book, the, the Sacred Marriage, I think by a guy named Gary Thomas. The subtitle is, What if God gave us marriage not to make us happy, but to make us holy? Holy, sure. Oh, no doubt he what did. If marriage and family are living laboratories yep. where yep. we can practice out. 100%. Same with churches. What if God gave us churches, yeah. not for our own benefit, but where we can learn to serve well, I'm going to just clarify. I said he did give us marriage to make us holy. Happy too, but undoubtedly that you, you, you will learn something yeah. about yourself and learn yeah. how to grow. And you, yeah. you say church for the same reason. Why not? Yeah, we shouldn't expect it to be perfect because it's full of people like me, mm -hmm. very imperfect. And mm -hmm. so that's going to manifest, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, quickly, three things. You go to a church, you're unhappy with some situation. What are those? You may just go PLA way, I don't know. But what are those three things that you say, don't get discouraged, don't get discouraged, instead... Do what? The P might come in handy here in, yep. in the at church book is pray, pray, pray. 
At home, it's play, play, play. The family nice. that plays together stays together. Oh, so the play is different in every in every book. Yeah, the p yeah. yeah, all of them. The play and the nice are different in yeah, every book. Just yield is the same. Pray, pray, pray. If you're at odds with a church member, ask God to give them a double portion of whatever you're asking for yourself. Nice. You you want God's mercy? That's fine. Ask for God's mercy. Nice. Ask to give a double portion. It's hard to be in conflict or at odds in conflict with somebody if you're praying to God, right. give them a double blessing Amen. of whatever it is you okay, want. That's one thing. Pray. Yeah. What else? What else? I mean, two other things. You go into a church, it's driving you nuts, you're unhappy, you don't like that person, you're sick of the pastor or whatever the case is, but you, you want to maintain your experience and grow through yeah. this in a mature yeah. way. Yeah. So, so pray, pray, pray. The why in that is yield to God's will. Amen. Yeah, to God's will. You're not there. Again, I am crucified with Christ. It's yeah. one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I'm crucified. It's not about me. God, how can you use me to serve others? Now, bless me in the process as well, please. Benefit me as well. But what? why am I here, Lord? How can I serve you best in nice. this situation? Yeah. And, and part of the challenge is too many of us go to church to consume and not to give and serve. Once we have a servant mentality, a lot of this stuff just disappears. I, I hate that expression. I left that church because I wasn't being fed. Right. We don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, right. You weren't being fed. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so one more. I gave you, you give me two. Give me another one. Someone's going to a church. They're unhappy. They're beside themselves. Maybe they're angry. Maybe, maybe the, the church is manifesting, I don't know, bad characteristics. Give me one other thing that someone can keep it together. And be part of the solution, not the cause. Romans twelve eighteen again, is becoming one of my favorite verses. As far as within your ability, live at peace with others. Nice. As far as it depends on you, some versions say, get along with others. Mm. Well, if you're not getting along with others, others aren't getting, I want to say read my books, but there are other no, books out there the books. as well. There no, are other no, resources. No. We're talking there, about these ones. There are plenty of resources. Use this as a learning opportunity. Maybe confide I don't want to run to the pastor right away, but maybe an elder. Not a whole lot of people. No, please. If there's trouble in the church, everybody doesn't need to know. The fewer that need to know, the better. Yeah. But a prayer partner to say, hey, counsel me. How, can, how would you advise it? Yeah. What, what you said earlier, I, I wouldn't have the courage to say, what are you hiding? I wouldn't have mm. the courage. I would have the courage to say, you know, here, I got a dilemma. I got a problem. Help me with this. What's that? Well, it seems like there's a division between us, and, and I, I'm sure I'm contributing to it, but I don't know how. Nice. I, I, what's your perspective? Because can, can I buy you some tea? Let, let's Pick go buy you lunch. Let's go talk. Go to a public place that's going to keep you on your best behavior. You know, we don't want to have loud outbursts when we're right. in public. And, and just be, go there with a the question, hey, I'm concerned, but then listen. Yeah. Let them tell you, and, and don't be ready to defend yourself. Oh, no, that's not... I just want your perspective. If, if you're willing, I'd like to share my perspectives too, because I have, I have a serious hunch that the enemy is, is behind mm, this, and if we mm, fight him together, mm, we can win. Mm, yeah, a lot of people right now say, ah, oh, I wish I could be like Ron Price. Oh, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about this thing on your business card. We don't have long. You're a humorist, which I don't find at all hard to believe, but what does that mean and how did that come about? I, I spoke at a Chamber of Commerce event in my town. And the lady introduced me as Ron Price, author, speaker, and humorist. And I didn't, I, I didn't say that. I had never said that. But, John, as soon as she said it, I went, yeah, that's who I am. People ask me, how you doing? You're, you're normal. You say, well, fine, thanks. How are you? Sure. I say, well, well, I think I'm doing okay. Why? Have you heard something? Yeah, yeah. I go into a store. People come up and say, can I help you? I'll say, do you have psychiatric training? We don't laugh enough, John. That's another problem inherent in, in, in conflict. We're not laughing enough. We're not having enough fun mm, together. Mm, mm, mm. If we can laugh more, 
it, it soothes. Laughter, I've read it somewhere, is a good medicine. Like a I think medicine. you've read I think it there, I think too. I've read that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it can bring people together. Now, be careful with laughter. If sure. people think you're laughing at them, uh-uh, mm-hmm. uh-uh, mm-hmm. uh-uh, don't, don't do that at all. But if you get people laughing with you, I'll call people. I'll say, hey, can I speak to so-and-so? Oh, no, I'm sorry, they're in the meeting. Would you like to leave a message? I say, no, just interrupt them. Tell them it's me. I'm sure they'll yeah, take they'll it. Yeah, they'll come right on out. And some people go, oh, sir, I couldn't. Stop it. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. People don't always get my humor, which is frustrating, but I'm going to keep trying. We need to laugh more. Yeah. I, I won a trivia contest on a radio one time that said children do this three or 400 times a day, adults less than 12. Oh, wow. You can probably guess the answer is laugh. It's smile or laugh. Laugh, yeah. Really? And I picked up, I knew it right away. I said, it's going to be laugh. They said, you won. Wow. We don't laugh enough. So it's my job. I'm not a comedian, although I've done some funny things, but I just try to get people laughing. Yeah. I, I'm in a store and people are looking at an item, and I say, you know, just buy one of each. It's easier. You're good, yeah, yeah, one of each. And it puts a smile on people's faces. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, if there was a little more good humor, a little less crankiness, uh, we'd be sharing a lot more of Jesus and looking like we are. And what's the Bible say? They'll know where. What, what? I shouldn't say the Bible. I remember singing a song when I was a kid. They'll know we're Christians by our love, written by a priest. But it was a very oh, was nice, it really okay? Very nice, uh, very nice idea. Yeah. I, I think it's yeah. appropriate. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming by. John, it's been Wish a joy. Much more of God's blessing than you've Thank ever you. experienced before. Thank you for the for sharing uh, about your work as an author. Play nice in your sandbox at work. Play nice in your sandbox at home. Amen. Play nice in your sandbox at church. Uh, Ron at ronprice.com and ronprice.com. You can run, but you cannot hide. We know where to find you. There you go. Outstanding. God bless you. Thanks for taking your time. We have been encouraged and blessed. I think there'll be a little less conflict in somebody's world after this. One more just real quick. I'll make it quick. There's an Irish poem. A good night's rest and a good hearty laugh will cure a bunch of ills. We don't sleep enough. We don't laugh enough. We certainly don't pray enough and study our Bibles. That's a whole different area. But uh, the solution for the this. solutions can be simple. Thanks so much. I'm sure you're grateful too. I know you were blessed. I remember that you can reach out to Ron and read more and watch more. And there's plenty more where that came from. He's Ron Price. I'm John Bradshaw. This has been our conversation. Mm-hmm.